When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Radio. Oh, hello, Brendan, my friend. I've not seen you in a long time. A long time. Gareth Edwards? No. That's not no. Um, no, no. Hmm. Alex DeLarge. No, that's a fictional character. Okay. Jason, any guesses? Uh he is British. Does he, yes, British, I'm quite yeah, British. Uh, British. Okay. Um, um, let's see. Is here. it is it is it Johnny Johnny Beer Johnny Beerglass? No no. Johnny no, Appleseed. No. It's very close to Johnny Beerglass. Okay. It's, okay. My, my name yeah, uh-huh. of course. Is Alec Guinness. Uh you're the beer guy. Uh not that Guinness, no. Oh. Now, you know, I had looked into it at one time to see if I was an heir to the Guinness Fortune, and do you know what they told me, Brendan? Uh, fuck off. Uh, in as many words. They said, uh, I believe, no. Oh. Mm. So not fuck off. No. No, they were, they, were, they were quite nice. They were quite polite, you see. But drunk. But, oh, incredibly drunk. Everybody's drunk in Britain. Uh, have you never been? Have you never been to Britain? No, will you pay for a trip for us? Absolutely. Does the airline take bone money? Uh, bone money? Yes, that's the medium of exchange in Republican heaven, you understand. The bones of the of the dead innocents that uh, many of them are responsible for killing. Oh, I thought it was angel bucks. No, 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 no. They they devalued angel bucks in the panic of art 12. Oh, no. Yes. Is that, like, oh, four years after the housing market went down on Earth? Yes, it, there were repercussions throughout the spiritual world. It really rippled yes, everywhere. Yes. It was a bad time. You couldn't even get a can of soup in Republican heaven. No, sir. Unless you were Winston Churchill. Then you would get soup mixed with scotch. Scooped. But I'm here. You were here last week. You did a movie uh, called Monsters. Which you were not in. No, I was not in because I'm quite dead. But I had seen this film at uh, Republican Heaven's vaunted uh, Adolf Hitler Theater. Oh, and, no. <laughs> I like you know, I, I, I assure you, I opposed naming it that. But surprisingly, there was a very strong contingent that was very much for it. Wait, so, wait, wait. You're saying that in Republican Heaven, yes. they're really against renaming things that are problematically named? Oh, you wouldn't believe. Wow, weird. It's not <laughs> like it's not like what happens on Earth. Well, you have to understand. You have to understand, of course. Um they didn't uh, rename it. That was the initial name that they chose, you see. In 1928. Yes, of course. I, of course, wanted to name it the George Lucas Theater, you see, as a joke. Because you hate him. Yes, no, he's a, he's a monster of a man. And that's why I'm here, because last oh. week you did a movie called Monsters. Yes. And it did not feature George Lucas. Uh, no, in, no. No. And no. once I was in a George Lucas movie, and in addition to George mm-hmm. himself being a monster. Wait, you were in Willow? Yes, I was. I was. If you look very closely, oh. I was one of the little people. Uh, that's problematic. It is. It is. But I had had my shins removed. You see. Mm. Mm. Yes, it was a good time. It was quite a lot of fun. But the recovery period and then having the shins, of course, reinstalled afterwards was of course, sure. very painful. Yeah. It didn't work until mm-hmm. I did a movie in 1998 where I sat in a car for a while. Okay. Mm. 
<laughs> so what were you going to say, George Lucas? I was going to say that George Lucas is a monster. Okay. He's a, he's a monstrous monster. Uh, why, you ask? Well, that's for him to tell you, because I know, and he should know as well, and one day he will tell you. Fair enough. Hmm. But I will say, one must understand he is not an alien, per se. Okay. No, as those aliens in the movie were monsters. But were they were they really monsters, or ultimately were it not the leads of the movie that were the true monsters? Oh, God, we're doing this again? Yes, yes. Uh, we're not so different, Brendan, you and I. Well, I mean, you're you're not a monster or an alien, so... No, I suppose humans. not. I'm a ghost, and I have to get back to Republican heaven now, you understand, because we're doing a remake of The Lady Killers, and I'm going to play every single role this time. Now, wait a second. You said I could be the old lady. Jimmy, we've had this talk, and I've decided that it is best for my post-Moldem career. Yeah? To do that, to, to play everyone. Oh, can I direct at least? Uh, yeah, okay. All right. Action! Uh, You'd have to come with us. Uh, what's your finish your security job? You can meet me in Republican Heaven. Meet me up on Hermann Goeringstrasse in Republican Heaven, all right? Oh, I don't like the name of that. No, you shouldn't. Goodbye, jetpack. <laughs> I killed a lot of the people that fought those men. Oh, he's Fuck gone. yes, you did, Jimmy. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. Where'd he, he, wait, where'd he go? He, he, he took his jetpack. Oh, hold on. Beep, beep, ba-doop, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
And sometimes you don't even have to be an old British person to be progressive thinker on that. No. No. So anyway, this list, this Empire list, is a sort of updated list of the BFI Top 100, unofficially, um, because it does have uh, movies right up until, like, 2017, 2018. Like, there's some fairly recent ones. All right, let's just cut the bullshit. Uh, Boil it right down, Brendan. You know what it is? It's an excuse for us to continue watching British films. But I'm I'm trying to explain. Let me get get the premise out, Jason. All right, get it out. (laughs) We're looking at the movies that we haven't already talked about on the BFI Top 100, and we're going through them. We're going to talk about them. And we're also deciding, you know, should we slot this into the list? Yeah. Should this have a place in an all-time top 100 British list? And and, and we're deciding yes, no, or maybe mm-hmm. each time. And then at the end of this whole shebang, after we cover the approximately 40 movies, we're going to figure out we're going to make our new list. We're going to kick some 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 suckers off yeah. the BFI Top 100. English patient, your days are numbered. Oh, your days are days numbered, are baby. fucking oh, numbered. You watch out. W- uh, women in love, not on my watch. Yeah, Brendan. I, I, it sounds like <laughs> the most homophobic yeah. thing I've ever said. Yeah, pretty much. So we continue that journey with a little movie called Man on Wire. But before we do that... We need to read some comments regarding last week's movie, Monsters. And those comments from our listeners, Jason, start off yeah. as such. Commence. Scott Cloutier says, such a great film. He shot guerrilla style through Mexico and used a lot of clever VFX work to create the magic in post. The brief glimpse you get at the end of the Monsters is such a great payoff. It's a shame he seems to be banished from Hollywood. Godzilla was good. Rogue One was great. But apparently his filmmaking style is not a good fit for big studios. Gareth Edwards banished from Hollywood? Let the man make a war movie. He has. It was called Monsters. That's not really a war movie. It was Rogue a war. One was more of a war movie, babe. It was like uh, Big Red One over here with Lee Van Cleef and fucking Mark Hammer. Okay. <laughs> God. He popped out of me and was gone. <laughs> uh, Jason, to be fair, uh, yes. Rogue One's full title is Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Oh, I thought you were going to say... I, I legitimately thought you were doing a bit and you were going to be like, Rogue One, A Star Wars is Born. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish. <laughs> um, but what does the next person say, uh, Jasonia? The next person, Brad, did is Hannah Welch of the Welch grape juice family, I can only assume. Yeah, and I like how you made the huh joke, even yeah. though there's no H in her there's last no name. H, there's no H in Welch, but I still want to say Welch. It has been a while, but I remember really liking it. Of course, I will watch pretty much anything. Scoot McNary is in. And the reason I singled out that comment is just because I have no connection to who was to anything Scoot McNary is in, even though I looked at his filmography and he's been in quite a bit, but I can't place him for the life of me. I mean, so you, it, I mean, it, if you could, that name, you know, it, it's like, um, what's that other guy's? Uh, <laughs> it obviously doesn't work. Uh, uh, Skeet, uh, Skeet, uh, Skeet Ulrich. Skeet Ulrich. Yeah, exactly. It's like Skeet Ulrich. You know who Skeet Ulrich is. He's not super huge, but he's got a weird name. This guy's got a weird name. No, I know, but I just... I, by the way, what kind of person above the age of 10 goes by Scoot? I just, uh, I just, I just, it just tickles me that someone is like uh, a really big Scoot McNary fan and I went into Monsters and leave Monsters still not really knowing who he is. Yeah, and I'm a really big Janet McRae fan. 
whatever. I don't know. Uh, that could be a person. We're just roasting Hannah alive here. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. We do we appreciate you uh, writing comments to the podcast. Hey, Scoot <laughs> McNary. I got no problems. No problems with that. Uh, Robert James Cole says, I saw it a while ago, but I don't recall it too well. Still have the DVD on my shelf, so maybe it's a future watch. I think I may have liked it, or at least saw a promise in what it was doing, a monster movie where the monsters were secondary. Robert, um, recollection is next to godliness, so maybe you don't need to rewatch it. That's what they say, right? That is exactly what they say, Brendan. Thank you, Jason. Our next comment comes from one Claudia Gabarin. Our next comment, Brendan, comes from one Claudia Gabarin. Sorry, Claudia. Claudia Gabarin. And she says, I liked it. Sorry, Claudia. Sorry, Claudia. So sorry. I liked it. I took screenshots of her and took them with me to the hair salon for several years. I didn't know where that sentence. Whitney Abel. I, I didn't know where that sentence was going. Literally, I started reading that sentence. I took, I also took screenshots of her and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> it took you <laughs> on a journey. Took them with me. What? what why? To the hair salon. Oh, for several years. <laughs> wow. So we know. So if we see you on the street, it, it, we, we should recognize that haircut is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Claudia. Yeah. Whitney Abel. Oh, that's no, no, Claudia. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> wait, did you, I gotta, I gotta think that that was like the, uh, that was the Rachel of the time of 2010, right? People just went in and be like, give me the Whitney Abel. <laughs> give me the monster. Give you me the Whitney Theron. Give me the Whitney. <laughs> what, Whitney Houston? No, no. <laughs> Whitney. Oh, Whitney Cummings? No, no. Whitney Abel. Come on. <laughs> Uh, Jason, uh, first time commenter and long time listener, Sharon Horwat. $175,000, Sharon. Uh, it's up to $176,498.26. That's with interest. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Sharon says, I remember my dad telling me about this movie five to 10 years ago and that he really liked it. I just checked it out on Tubi. Good on you, Sharon. And I think it is pretty great. Interesting alien design. I love that aliens have been here a while and the residents are kind of used to them, for lack of a better word. Also, for used people who didn't like his 2014 Godzilla movie, I think they might enjoy this much more. Full disclosure, I she didn't say used people. I, I said use. I added it in. No. <laughs> Don't put words in her mouth. She's got enough words for her own mouth, Brendan. I agree, though. Like, I like both movies, but mm. I think that's a good point. I think if you're not the biggest fan of his Godzilla movie, which I know some people aren't, um, you might like that one more. Yeah, because it's more of like a nuanced indie kind of character drama. So, yeah, character drama that happens to be surrounded by big fucking alien monster things that are they the real monsters? I don't know. If I never hear that again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> Uh, our next comment, Brendan, comes from the host of the Great American Baking Show, Mr. Paul Boston. That's a deep joke for folks out there. Wow. Uh, and Paul writes, this is one of my favorite films. Really beautiful. The atmosphere of it gets me every time. John Hopkins' score is perfect. Is he the same John Hopkins from the hospital? I don't think so. I don't Could think you be John... a doctor and a conductor? I mean, Ennio Morricone was one hell of a heart surgeon. <laughs> Great hands, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> John Tiny Williams. Hands. John Williams. He could treat he could, podiatry like no one's business. He was good with music, and he was good with feet. I'm running out of uh, I'm running out of scores. <laughs> James Horner, rest James his Horner. soul. Um, he he, you know, uh, just just giving people candy lollipops every day. 
And if you get stabbed in the chest with a triangular bayonet, you better be hope. You better hope to God Hans Zimmer is there to save you because he will. He's a little wild, he but he's, he gets he's, the job done. He knows what he's doing. I, I just want to I just want to see a sketch now on like Saturday Night Live or something that would only be for us. Yeah, um, it, it would be. just be John Hopkins Hospital, but J O N, and it's just it's just filled with um, <laughs> with composers. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's for us and Hollywood composers who are aware of others in their field. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You could have all of them making cameos as themselves, and they would oh, get yeah. no re- they would get no recognition applause whatsoever. Oh, maybe maybe John Williams would, but he'd be the only one. Well, James Horner, it would be in tremendously bad ooh, taste if they ooh, did yeah. that. It'd be like when they dug up that Pope and put him on trial and then hanged him. Uh, well, we're not even going to get into that, Jason. I mean, I'm assuming we would hang James Horner at the end of the sketch. <laughs> I mean, as is tradition on SNL, every time tradition. you end a sketch, you have to hang the lead actor. <laughs> that's why their cast keeps changing. Well, that's and that actually makes it all that more impressive how many times Steve Martin has hosted. He's just tough. You can't you can't kill him. He's escaped that news so many times. <laughs> Oh man, and I lo- I know the last commenter will be very glad that we oh, uh, sure. just segue into his comment from that. All right, um, Matthew P. Eels says I enjoyed it quite a bit. It, I expected it to be slight on monsters like Cloverfield, but when it was monster time, it delivered the goods. They 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 definitely saved up their wad to the end of the movie and really gave us a good look at those monsters where we hadn't yeah. seen much of them through the film, and that was fine. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I think with Cloverfield, I mean, I like Cloverfield too, but. Mm-hmm. And I also like the second Cloverfield movie, but I think with Cloverfield, um, you don't really you don't really see anything at the end. Like you kind of just get glimpses. You don't get yeah. like a full on shot well, of the monster. You do get that shot where I think HUD gets killed or knocked out or something, and the camera falls to the ground, and we see a side shot of the monster, and you look down and you see its face, and you can kind of see its legs and stuff. But yes, you to see the whole thing, you had to go like buy a toy or something. Yeah. It's like Doctor Claw and Inspector Gadget. If you wanted to see his face, you had to buy the fucking toy. You turned into Dennis Miller again for a little. Turned bit. into fucking toy. It's like you're watching Psycho, and they don't show you Janet Lee's tits. Until the last second of the movie, and she's already dead, back. I don't think they show you her tits at all, Dennis. You didn't see the director's cut, did you? No, Especially you just watched for the... Hitchcock. You just watched the reason the... they call him Hitchcock because he got a hook on his dick and he hitches it to shit. You just watched the Vince Vaughn version, Dennis. He is a Hitchcock. Uh, no, it's Gus Van Sant. <laughs> I don't know why he takes over your body. I, that's what I'm wondering. I don't know. That's, it felt very much like Daniel Day-Lewis. So unless Daniel Day-Lewis is doing Dennis Miller, but also, to be fair, Dennis or Dan, Dennis Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis would do a far better job. Daniel Day-Miller. Daniel Day-Miller. The oh, oh, Welsh version of do you, Dennis do you Miller. Think, do you think the day that Dennis Miller gets a biopic, of which I'm sure the day is coming soon, that Daniel Day-Lewis will take on the role of a lifetime? I hope so. I hope so. And play David Spade in the movie. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis playing David Spade. Who would play Chris Farley? Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, he'd play both. Yes. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, obviously. He'd play everyone. Maybe him but, and, Adam and, and Sandler, but Adam Sandler would play Chris Rock. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And Jeremy Irons would play Adam Sandler. <laughs> no, Will Smith would play Adam Sandler. Oh, well, of course. I guess if we're going to do that, we got to go, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I don't know what that's a reference to. I don't know. I don't even know. We need to move on, Jason. Sure. We need to talk about. We need to move on. We need to talk about this week's movie. We need to talk about Man on Wire. 
There's a man out on the wire. He's crawling in between the WTC. There's a man on a wire. And it's crawling tween the This is his time. This is his way. This is his dream from before the towers were built. There's a man on a wire. And it's crawling between the WTC. Oh, mercy. And that theme song, Brendan, can mean only one thing. That we're going to talk about 2008's documentary film, Man on Wire. Yeah, that theme song. Yeah, the sure. classic theme song. This is the first documentary that we're talking about yes. in regards to the British film list. Yes. We, we Of course, we watched a, a couple of documentaries on the Canadian list, and we watched a docudrama that was very close to a documentary on the BFI list in Fires Were Started. Yeah, yeah I would say that was the cl- yeah that was the closest thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, though, a fictional film. Yes, for sure, for sure, but but very, very reality-based, but still not a documentary. This is a legit-ass, legit documentary. Legit-ass. That's right. Uh, and what? But what about... Man on Wire. What about Man on Wire? What about it? Well, well, you want to go? Like what f- about it? Yeah, what about? Do you want to? Do you want to fucking tussle right here? Want to do this? I got. I brought the wire. Oh, all right. We're gonna we're gonna walk in between your building and the building next door, and we're gonna fight on the wire. Oh, that'd be awesome. It'd be like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, what are you really asking me? Uh, what is this movie about, Brendan? What what is the what is the the deal? What's its deal? Well, this is a documentary, so in order to go through the plot real quick, I'll just tell you what this documentary is kind of about. Man on wire. It is exactly. There we go. Let's dive in. Now, this is about a man mm-hmm. named Philip Petit. Little Philip. Little Philip. Little Philippe. Um <laughs> and some of you may be saying, "Oh, that name sounds familiar." Well, yes, he is he was relatively famous, um, or, or at least someone who like people have maybe heard of. Do we have anybody listening to the podcast who remembers the 70s in America? I mean, I don't remember the 70s in America because, number one, I wasn't born in America. No. Number two, I wasn't alive. Yeah. Number two one is probably more important, yeah. and it should have been reversed. But, but I think people have heard, I think a lot of people have heard about this man anyway, because he was a man, a French man mm. from France. Still not, is, in fact. Not Quebec. Yeah, he's still a French man. He's still alive. Yeah. Um, he was a wire walker and he walked across the two towers, the twin towers of the world trade center mm-hmm. back and forth for 45 minutes. Um, yeah. And that was the big thing. And it, it was huge. And th- the crazy thing is I don't think a lot of people actually saw it from the ground cause it was very misty, um, which was, is the great irony of the whole thing. And it was very hard to notice unless somebody pointed it out to you cause you wouldn't even maybe notice the dot up there on the wire. Cause it's the, the towers folks were very tall. Right. So that, and that was a real thing that happened in the 70s, I believe 1974? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So this ultimately, is, ultimately, that's what led to 9-11. Oh. Uh, I was, like, you know, Jason, okay, <laughs> this might be inaccurate when the editing comes to play, but we're at minute 13, and mm-hmm. I was like, how many minutes is it going to take where Jason makes a 9-11 reference? I and, had to make the reference because the movie did not, because the movie decided not to talk about it, because it would bring everybody down, man. Well, 
Yeah, and I want to I want to talk about it a little bit with that too. But I'm pretty sure when he strung that wire across and he walked across that wire for 45 minutes, he affected the structural integrity of those buildings. Oh, Jesus. Let me tell you about steel beams. This is my new conspiracy theory. You you can check me out on Alex Jones this week. Philippe Petit, listen, I saw those uh, ISIS symbols on his oh. on his uniform. Doesn't this sound good? Doesn't it sound like it rolls off the tongue? 9-11 mastermind, Philippe Petit? Dude. Come on. He's probably getting arrested right now because That's of you. Right. <laughs> Again, and he's just like, I did not climb anything this time. And they're like, yeah, you're a terrorist. That's what they all say. <laughs> Haul him in, Lou. Yeah, they're, they're arresting him in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> they, they brought him over to Brooklyn for like, oh, we're going to commemorate this walk. And then they arrest him. Yeah. So, no, he's not a terrorist, but he did walk across the World Trade Center back and forth for 45 minutes. And this documentary kind of uh, acts as it does two things. We pretty much see a beat by beat of the of the of the movement Mm -hmm. of the act of getting all his equipment up there, of walking across, of of committing the act, a very harmless act. I mean, illegal, but harmless. And that's the best part of this whole thing. It wasn't, as they say in the movie, wicked or mean. No, it was an illegal act that was really only putting himself and possibly his uh, friends at risk. Possibly someone on the ground if they were right underneath them. Yes, yes. <laughs> but um but but yeah, this is you know, mostly mostly harmless to everyone else except for the people that were doing it. And so it's a beat by beat of that and also at the same time we're kind of intercutting between his life, like everything that led him to this moment, and everything that led his friends and the preparation and all that stuff. So it's a very um, interestingly, interestingly framed documentary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because the, the whole action of getting into the World Trade Center, getting up to the World Trade Center and setting this all up, it plays like a heist. <laughs> it's it like is, a bank heist. It's great. It is 100% a heist film. Yeah. If this was not a documentary. And I, I so in this, in this doc too, like, I feel like the stuff where we get the re because there's some reenactments and there's yeah. some real footage. There's a lot of real footage. In a this lot movie. of real footage. And at some, there was some times where I was like, not sure. I mean, there's some stuff that's obviously like, they're not, they didn't have footage of them sneaking around the world trade center, but there's some stuff of them practicing. And I was like, I mean, I think this is real footage, mm-hmm. but there's, there's like, if they, if it wasn't, I would, I would be none the wiser. The, the nice thing about Philip Petit himself is that he's got an incredibly unique face yeah. and it's very easy to tell when he's on screen and not like a double. Well, the guy they get to play the younger Philip Petit is actually quite good too, though. Yes, but yeah. So I, I just want, so the the use of reenactments of of the, that's the, that's the half of the movie, right? The, the docudrama part. Yeah, the docudrama part is like the half of the movie. Like while we get the Talking Heads, because there are some Talking Heads too, not the band. Yeah. No, no songs by the Talking Heads. There was no Psycho Killer music cue. No, Casca say. <laughs> fa 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 fa. He had a really bad stutter. He did. Poor guy. Oh, I feel bad. David no, 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 ain't seen nothing yet. Well, I'm glad he's a millionaire now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're sneaking around, and what I thought about the reenactments is I was watching, and I was like, this is, this, this is like, really good, like, movie level, like, f- fictional film mm. good level. Like, if they put a little bit more, like, a little more coverage and stuff, like, it, it, it plays like a really good movie, which is why I questioned why this was made into a movie. But I want to get into that later. Yeah. Um, but I thought, yeah, I just thought the reenactment stuff would played really well, a lot better than a lot of documentaries that I've seen where I'm like, I don't know if we need all this reenactment shit. Mm. Can we talk a little bit about Philip first off? Yeah. He is a, he is a cartoon of a European weirdo. 
He's bombastic. He's bombastic. He's charismatic. Extremely charismatic. He's very he's very passionate, he's, I would say. He's very passionate. He's very talented. Very he's, talented. He's very, I guess he has an amazing sense of balance doing this job because he also rides a unicycle. Yeah. We see him riding a unicycle around with a top hat on, juggling fucking bowling pins for the children. He's a weirdo, but he's a lovable weirdo. But at the same time, how much of what he's saying is true? Ah, who knows? That's the thing. He's a fabulous to some extent. We we know what we see. We know he did what he claimed to do. Did he? Did did you see it happen? I saw the video of it. Did you? I was not in New York in nineteen seventy four. Or did your brain see it and tell your body? I mean, if we really want to go down that route, that we could talk about the interactions of chemicals in the brain. No, and... we don't need to. Okay. <laughs> but um, no, I just mean like I I don't mean like he didn't do the act and he wasn't talented and all that. But I just mean there's a lot of moments where. Like he talks about, for example, when he was a kid, he's like, you know, I was in a dentist office and I saw a picture of the, they're going to build these towers. And I was so excited and I drew a line between them and said, I'm going to walk across these towers. Like that seems a little fantastical I don't know, to man. me. Maybe because I mean, the, the idea that, you know, that they, cause they were planning these towers for a while and that he could have seen something talking about them. I mean, here I am young, 17 years old with a bad tooth in one of those uncolorful uh, waiting room of a French dentist and uh, it's it's really lit with a little 40 watt bulb and you have all ladies and people, you know, sheepishly looking at magazines, it's quiet and suddenly I freeze because I have opened a newspaper at a page and I see something magnificent, something that inspired me. I see two towers and the article says one day those towers will be built. They're not even there yet. And when they are, they will become the highest in the world. Now I need to have that, this little tangible uh, start of my dream. But everybody is watching, and but I need that page. And so what I do is, under the cover of this, ah, I see the page, put it under my jacket, and go out. Now, of course, I would have a toothache for a week. But what's the pain in comparison that now I have acquired my dream? It does make a great story, though. That's what I mean. It makes a great story, yeah. but I don't know how. I'm not. Wor- I'm not too worried about whether it's accurate or not because I don't know that it's relevant to society as a whole. Like I prefer to write, know the truth, but also I love a good story. And in the terms of this documentary, that works. And listen, I'm no expert on anything really, mm-hmm. except for old Saturday Night Live. Yes, one hundred percent. But do you think he has some? Cause I I felt the whole time I was like he definitely has like some sort of hyperfixation. Possibly. And, and and maybe maybe some sort of ADHD or like something to that effect. I don't know if it'd be ADHD because it seems like he's able to focus very well on something. Like the hyperfixation makes more sense. Like he's he's he he puts his mind to something and he wants to do it and he makes it happen. Now I don't know other examples in his life. Maybe there are examples of him trying to do something and not making it happen. But this is a big deal and he manages to make it happen despite all the um, uh, shit they run into trying to do it. He also, I, I do like how he doesn't really open himself up because there's moments yeah. where he says, you know, he talks about how uh, he's like, oh, why did I do it? Uh, I just like to climb a lot as a kid. Why did I do it? I don't know. Maybe I had a strict upbringing and I just like to climb around. You could ask my therapist, I guess. I mean, he doesn't really bring people. He doesn't really bring anyone in too much. Well, his, I, he I feels think a little guarded. He guarded, but I think he's also trying to push the idea that he's just, he's doing it for the sake of doing it. Like it's an artistic move in that why, it, why does anybody do art? Because it fulfills them in some way. It it allows them to express themselves in some way. And I think that's how, I mean, I don't know if there would be any other practical reason unless he just wanted to be a celebrity. Well, there was another, there's another moment too, where someone asks him 
right after he d- did it like why did you why did you walk across or whatever and he's like oh, and he has that big moment where he's like why why did i walk i just walked across a wire for 45 minutes up across the world trade center eight times and, and all you could say is why did you do it <laughs> yeah. that's your best question it's <laughs> very like, american i just did it out. because i did it well, yeah well that's what he says he's like that to your point he says why do we have to put a a, a logic concrete reason on it why can't we just say i did it because i did it because i wanted to do it well and i mean from a perspective of he's a wire walker and he likes walking on wires and he progressively does crazier and crazier things and isn't this like the biggest thing a wire walker could do to get on top of what at the time were probably two of the tallest buildings in the world if not the tallest buildings in the world and fucking do this and let's not let's not forget that he did it's not like the first one he did the first crazy one he did he did the notre dame cathedral Mm -hmm. he did a bridge in australia i believe um and then you know and, and then what's interesting is when they're showing his practice he doesn't fall even during practice. Like well, he's walking across the wire. They are pulling yeah. at the wire. Like well, that's to, to one imitate of the, the wind. That's it. One of the interesting moments is when yeah they're getting him or he's getting his friends to like just shake the wire and pull it and just do whatever they can to try to shake him off it because up on the World Trade Center there's going to be a lot of wind and the yeah. buildings themselves move as well. So he has a lot of forces to deal with and they're trying to get him off and they they don't they don't knock him off. <laughs> they're trying to get him off. <laughs> But Philip's also the kind of guy, too, that if, if this was not what he was doing, he would be leading a cult of some sort. He's got, yeah. the, he's got that charisma to him and that, that like... Magnetic. Yeah, that magnetic ability that, that so many celebrities have, and mo- many of them channel it into acting and making money and doing whatever. But or some sometimes, people, sometimes acting and cult work. Sometimes acting and cult work, absolutely. Hey, uh, uh, so you small, can do both. Hey, Smallville's boring, dude. <laughs> But yeah, no, he's he's definitely a guy that could do a lot of different things, and I'm glad he chose this because it seems like the least harmful path. Yeah, I mean, but ultimately harmful, har- harmless to himself. But well, I mean, harmless to himself. Thankfully, harmless till he falls off the wire and crushes a family that are like touring New York, and it's their first time out. And the mom, she's got a little bit of cancer that they're working on, and the youngest kid had, had a botched circumcision, so he's got his own shit going on. And dad, meanwhile, is cheating on mom. Uh, and he doesn't want to tell anybody, and then they just have a Frenchman fall on top of them and kill them all, and the dad is so happy because that solves his problem. What is going on inside your brain? Not enough, not enough. I need another beer. Thank you. Thanks for uh, you know spreading that message to the kids that we drink beer on this podcast. That's a, that's a real negative thing to say. Look, the only way we can get through this thing, Brennan, uh, is alcohol. Now, you might say to yourself, well, we watch good movies. Stop quoting the talking heads! <laughs> No, but what I was going to add to that, Jason, was that he might be, you know, ultimately it's harmless to himself and it's probably one of the, it's, you know, the least harmful thing he could be doing with that kind of energy. But I feel like the people around him, it's a little different. He does his, draw them in. His He draws them in and we'll talk about Annie in a second because I want special focus on her, yeah. his girlfriend. But the crew, like you can tell when they're showing, when they're talking to them, like Jean Francois and all these other people. John Francois in particular has a moment where he almost breaks down just remembering the stress of yeah. the whole thing because he's like, you know, he's helping him set up this jump and he's saying like, I could have gone, I could, I didn't know whether I was going to go to prison. If he died, I, could, I would go to prison for assisted suicide mm-hmm. or, or like, how was I going to prove that this guy wanted to do this yeah. or, or, you know, prison for kicked out of America, like never allowed well, to come back. One, one of, of them was. guys did get expelled from uh, the States. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is crazy because uh, Philippe, Charges were ultimately dropped. Yeah, he, he like he like yeah. Go do a show for some kids, and we'll drop the charges. But one of his crew was just like, never come back. 
I wonder if there was something there that wasn't mentioned, though. Like if he'd had some sort of previous run-in with um, immigration authorities or maybe a criminal charge. I'm not suggesting that he's a criminal. I mean, he literally could have like gotten denied entry to America one time, and then they realized he got denied, so they expelled him at that point. I don't know. Well, Jason, uh, there's a guy, one of his crew, uh, Jean-Louis Blondeau, he actually was uh, very upset when this came out and then when the movie came out because he said that the portrayal of Philippe in both is way off. Yeah. He said that this guy is uh, conniving. <laughs> he said he's a manipulator. Mm-hmm. And he said that um, he, and they said that as soon as he got his moment, yeah. his crew was dropped like a sack of potatoes. Well, you know what? It Which kinda, the documentary kind of. I say, yeah, you get, cause you get that impression because he talks about making love to a woman and cheating on his girlfriend and then breaking up with his girlfriend. And that's that moment where one of the guys breaks down, that everything was different now. Yeah, he basically just moved on with his life at that point and left everybody in the dust. But the documentary like does mention that, but I feel like they don't really lean into the ramifications of that moment. No, the the, the thrust of this documentary definitely gives him his, I think, the portrayal that he wanted as this weird eccentric that, that, that did this crazy thing and made it happen. This guy, by the way, Blondeau, who was one of the crew, he was not even invited to come to the premiere of the documentary. <laughs> Shit, that's rough. Fuck. Yeah, he said his quote was, he wants all the credit for himself. I don't care about being famous. That's not what I'm after. I'm after friendship. Yeah. So. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, sure, he was the guy that walked across the wire, but without all the people that helped him get up there and do this and pull off this heist level thing to get up top and set this all up, he wouldn't have been able to do shit. And that's the thing, though. You're 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 going with, you're basically just, I don't know. I feel like these things are so hard to come on, uh, like come on anyone's side, really, because it's like you're just—it's one person versus the other person. Yeah. Like we don't know either. We yeah. we only know what we know based on documentary, based on fictional film. And it's, it's pretty clear that this documentary is not a critical documentary of this gentleman. It is a, no. I mean, it's a, a celebratory. It's based on his book, I believe. So it is a celebration of him and and a recounting of his version of the story. I mean, he's definitely involved. In the in the behind the scenes of the, this, and he's also one of the producers on the movie The Walk, yeah. which was based on this, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So, and he taught Joseph Gordon-Levitt how to wire walk. So it's not like he doesn't have a hand in all this. No, and this is not. To, and again, he, it's all legit. He's a legit wire walker, and he legit did this. You know, yeah, you can't take that away from him. He's very talented at that and juggling and all the other weird shit he does because he's a weird European stereotype. <laughs> um, should we talk about Annie? Annie, that's his girlfriend. The girlfriend. Yeah, very because, supportive of him. But like a, a tragic character. Tragic, I think. yeah. Well, it could be because she gets dumped at the end. Well, not only that, but like her, the introduction of her uh, in the documentary is her saying that, like, you know, I w- uh, my life was completely consumed by his, and he never thought to ask me whether I had my own destiny to follow. It was quite clear I had to follow his. Yeah. And she doesn't say that like I just said it. Like it, it doesn't sound like so sad. No. She says it very matter of factly. But I was like, oh man, yeah. that's like she didn't have her own life yeah. for years. Well, and and then the rest of them to some extent. Once they get involved in the in the whole project to to make this happen, that was their lives uh, for that time. Again, going back to this guy could easily have been a cult leader, <laughs> and he kind of was. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just it. It was it was a very one sided relationship, mm-hmm. uh, romantic relationship. Uh, and then, of course, like you said, her her kind of tragedy is that as soon as he completes the walk, I mean, Philippe admits this himself. It's not He's a like, secret. I went out and I made love to some woman. <laughs> yeah, he basically fucked a groupie. Yeah, like like minutes or you know hours after he was released from prison. And and uh, I get, I get it. You just did a crazy thing, and you just want to go fuck. 
great, but you could have at least called your girlfriend first to see if she was into it. And if not, then you could go cheat on her. Jason. That's how it works. All right. <laughs> you ask, you say, hey, do you want to fuck? And if they're like, I'm not feeling tonight, it's like, okay, I'll go get it somewhere else. So so Katrina's going to listen to this episode, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I'm pulling my collar now. Oh, goodness, goodness. No, I'm thankfully she doesn't listen to this podcast, but what if this is the one? <laughs> I'll make sure it is. Oh, no. Oh. I'll just isolate this clip. And just send it to her in an email and be like, I know. An anonymous dot, dot, dot. email. You might want to hear this about your boyfriend. And then, and <laughs> wait, then, wait, wait, and then she's wait. like, that's my husband. Wait. <laughs> well, you're all. sending an audio clip. Yes. Wait, it's an anonymous email, but it's actually an email from Anonymous. It's an that's email from Anonymous. Like. And it talks like this. And you're wearing a Guy Fox mask. And you're like, you're going to want to know this about your boyfriend. And then she's like, well, no, it's my husband. And then you get in a second email that's like, I meant your husband. This is about your husband, not your boyfriend. We got nothing on him. <laughs> And then she's like, Brendan, I know it's you. You sent a video. <laughs> it's from it's from your email address on Gmail, Brendan. It has your name in the email. All you did was write anonymous as a subject line. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that work? <laughs> Funny side story here. It's oh. like uh, my my friend. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm saying this on the podcast. I want to hear it. My uh, a friend of mine was working at a store, which I will not name. Fair. Um, that he had a real hard time. I was very, I was young and stupid, and he thought, you know, it'd be hilarious if we email them a stupid email, like a prank email, and we emailed them. It basically was like, you know, oh, this person's ugly, this person's dumb, this person's a hoe. Like I again, young, saying dumb <laughs> yeah, things, yeah, very young, and then ended the. I was like, well, how do I end it? And he said, I don't know, just write the word boom. So. <laughs> I wrote the word boom. boom. Um, this uh, this email, uh, he goes into work a couple days later. Says uh, he sees on the desk an email from Brendan Wall. <laughs> you asshole. He's like, and, and he told me after he's like, "You dumb son of a bitch." <laughs> um, he got fired. Why would he get fired? Because he gave the email to me. Oh. The email address is an internal email. Oh. He lost his job, but they threatened to. Uh, they threat. They threatened How to basically. Would they know? Why wouldn't he have just denied it? They threatened to basically get him in more trouble. That's ridiculous. Uh, he was a very nervous man, and mm. it's very easy to, uh, to, to to break him down. Let's just say. When we're off air, I'm going to get more details. He. Uh, that's as far as I can go. I think. Okay. <laughs> after, although after he found that out, when he thought he was actually going to get in legal trouble, yeah. he came to me at my job while I was working during the middle of a very busy day and went up to me and all he said was, we need good lawyers. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jason, (laughs) Jason, (laughs) if you were a young teen. Oh, God. Working at a a movie theater. I can't even imagine. And and in the middle of a busy rush. Yeah. And your friend comes running into the theater, <laughs> jacket half hanging off him, one sleeve in, one sleeve off. It comes up to you and at the top of his lungs says, we're going to need good lawyers. What's the first thought that comes into your head? What did I do? <laughs> Who what did are you I talking kill? about? What? Who what? <laughs> What's going on? Did you hit someone? <laughs> why we? Why we? I guess that'd be the big question. Why we? It, it took me about 30 seconds. I literally stood there. Just like not knowing what to say now, and being like the email. Oh, I thought he like came up to you, shouted that, and then just took off running. <laughs> no, he stuck around. Oh, okay. And then I told my boss like I have to leave right now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the story goes on. But that's where it's gonna end now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so how did we get on that? How did we get on that? I don't know. But that was a good story, Brendan. Thanks. Uh, but Man on Wire is a movie about a guy who's even crazier than you and your friend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Villa Patty. 
Say that again. Say that again. Finland party. And can you do it one more time, even more or worse? Finland party. <laughs> Sounding more and more like Danny DeVito. Gay. <laughs> um, but yes, Annie. Very sad. At the mm. end, uh, he just like you said, he has an affair, and then they break up. And yeah. she even has that line. She even has that line at the end where she says, um, that their relationship ended when the walk ended, which is what she expected. And she says, she even says it was almost beautiful. Yeah. She, and she's these which fucking is, French people, man. Everything's gotta movie. be, everything's gotta be poetry. That's with these right. People. That's right. Like, like at one point Philip says, uh, Oh, I, if I was to fall, I would fall to another laugh. <laughs> he didn't say I would fall to my death. He says, I would fall to another laugh. You fucking pretentious Frenchman. <laughs> Everybody that in in France that's listening right now, welcome to the podcast. Now France, France, I get it. Uh, I understand that you're not all. Now hold on, like I'll, I'll just wait. wait well, hold on, uh, uh, hold on, hold on. I sent all 17 DVDs to France so they could listen. Oh, thankfully they don't all speak English, so. <laughs> uh, and okay, they're all listening. Go, France. Bonjour, France. Nope. Je suis Jason. <laughs> okay, no, um, no, give your message. C'est pas, c'est pas moi. Uh, uh, c'est le problème. Uh, c'est toi. Uh, le, 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 Tout le monde de France, c'est le problème. Et euh, c'est nécessaire pour ton pays de, euh, comme on dit en français, disappear. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Ce soir? Ce soir. Ce soir? You don't say the R, Jason. Uh, But I'm, I'm, I have a non-rhotic, rhotic? I have a rhotic R? Is that what it's called? Don't know what you're well, trying to Because the British say not like are non-rhotic with their R's. I think that's sure. what it means. Where they'll instead of saying car, they'll say call. Call. Anywho. Anywho. Man on wire. Man on wire. Um, you mentioned this at the beginning, but they. Did I? Yeah, did you I? did. You did. Okay. You mentioned this at the beginning, but uh, they don't mention nine eleven once. No. Now. I why get it. They? I you know what, but I, here's the thing. I get it why they wouldn't mention it in the documentary, but I was actually a little bit surprised that there wasn't like uh, dedicated to the towers or something, or like in memoriam at the end. At or the something end, no. Like that. What should have happened was it should have like faded down at the end of the movie, faded to black, <sighs> and then Lord on screen in text it would have just said, "Unfortunately, Philip Petit was not able to prevent the 9/11 attacks." <laughs> That's terrible. Put it on him. He can handle it. What? Put it on him that it was his fault that they that he he had the knowledge he had the ability and he chose oh no you're not more, to stop them. Jason you're changing shape why are you wear suddenly wearing a black shirt and and getting your beard is filling in oh no frogs listen to me Brandon what you gotta understand is that on September 11 2001 there was a Frenchman named Philip Petit and Philip Petit could have stopped the 9/11 attacks but he chose not to and you understand. What that led to, Brendan? What did it lead to? It led to the fact that we no longer call French fries French fries. We call them freedom fries. And that was specifically because Philip Petit in the country of France would not save us from 9-11. I got stacks and stacks here. I got stackies all over the place. Stacky, 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 stacky. All these stacks of papers say that what I'm saying is true. Now, would you like to look at these papers? Because you're not allowed to. But I can assure you that is the case. Can I have Jason back? Just give me a sec. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. Oh, oh, my my blood is pulsing with super male vitality and it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. My dick, my dick burns. That's not supposed to happen. Alex, why would you sell that stuff and then take it? 
<laughs> like he's like he does anything with his own brand. I know. Uh, no, I think he does, and I think he's stupid, and it burns. It burns my peener. <laughs> so, Jason, better or worse than Daniel Day Lewis uh, taking over? Oh no, I'll take DDL any day. Uh, okay. At least I get to learn about shoemaking when he takes over my brain. Alex doesn't bring anything to the table. <laughs> <sighs> so I'm going to talk about 9/11. Try not to let Alex take over. I'll do my best. But yeah, no, I was <laughs> I was shocked that there was no little mention there. But I think the filmmaker, like I think the director James Marsh, just plainly said, "I don't want to. I don't. I didn't want to mention it because, like, I, th- I thought it was just such a, you know, obviously a tragedy such a and downer. It's, it's just such a thing that, like, you didn't want to mention. And and I think Philip Petit, obvi- who obviously when that happened, like his, you know, obviously would have an ing- very. I'm not saying everybody else wasn't sad, but I mean, obviously, very tragic, and and must have had a, a, a huge reaction to that whole thing, considering this was, you know, uh, his biggest life's work. Mm. And I just don't. I think even Philip Petit maybe had some input, saying like, I don't know if we should put that in there. I See, think it kind of takes away from everything else. I think he was happy about 9/11, <sighs> and I think he was happy about 9/11 because when those towers came down, he thought to himself, nobody will ever recreate my act. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, never. I will. Nobody will ever do it again, and I am alone in this world, and I am famous forever because of it. But seriously, though, that's what I think. That's what I think. That's seriously what I think. I think the guy's a nut job. Nut job. You're in a rare mood tonight, Jason. Well, you know, it's our last in-person record for a while, so I gotta, I gotta really get amped up today. And also, <laughs> this is a documentary on a film list, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, well, I think a documentary is a film. Is it? <laughs> I love that look he just gave me. I just want, folks, if you could see the look he just gave me, it was classic Brendan. A very disapproving teacher look. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just think it would have taken focus away from the the wire walk itself. Mm. I do think it was a lovely way, a, a, lo- a wonderful time to release this movie, yeah. 2008. Yeah. You know, a few yeah. years removed from it being like, let's remember like a nice memory yeah. about this this place. And, and, there's- and actually, from what I heard, the 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 Twin Towers like people saw it as kind of an eyesore for a while. People were were kind of like eh, whatever. So they were. It was hard to get office. Uh, it was hard to get people in there for mm. for office buildings and everything. And that walk actually helped. Yeah, it raised publicity for yeah, that. Yeah, because those buildings did kind of stand out amongst the New York skyline as being quite like quite a different style, a very yeah. like kind of modern seventies kind st- of approach. Yeah, exactly. But hey. Just waited 30 years, and then guess what? They got cleared out of the way. So, Jesus uh, Christ! How many fucking now? There's a nice now. There's a nice new building there that is quite uh, quite futuristic looking. He actually did say, by the way, Petit actually did say at first that um, when those buildings were completed, that he would do it again. But unfortunately, the way they're the way they're there. Well, wait, hold on, one hold on, tower. hold on. The way it was reconstructed. I'm getting to it. Yeah. Was that obviously he can't walk across on a wire. Maybe he should crawl up the side of the uh, the one World Trade Center tower. Spider-Man? Yeah, you could Spider-Man it. Because there was a guy that I think Spider-Man the WTC, but there's no fucking documentary about it. Actually, there probably is a documentary about it. There him. probably is. There probably is. It was is. directed by Andy Warhol. Yeah, Andy, we miss you. As we do all the weirdo artists. <laughs> so this is my big. Th- this is my biggest thing about this whole thing, Jason. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to punch <laughs> you in the face. This is my biggest, like... Uh, nitpick okay. and it's not about the documentary okay. itself not about okay. the content of the documentary it's about the very idea of this no. why do we feel the need and i listen i like the walk the movie the walk uh-huh. i think it's good yeah. it's it's entertaining i know you haven't seen it 
but it's entertaining. It's got a good performance in Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He has a good accent work. I think it, I think it's a quality film. But why do we feel the need to take a documentary mm. and a great documentary yeah. and who and we get a larger-than-life character mm-hmm. and adapt it into a movie with an actor playing that role? We're never going to get the same effect. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I... I agree with you, Brendan, and especially when it comes to a documentary like Man on Wire, which features so much original footage from the era. Like, yeah, well, and and then you see him playing around. You mm. see, like his interviews, he's like hiding behind curtains when yeah. he's like describing he's what having he's having a doing, great time, and he's going under tables, and he's saying, "Oh, then we were doing this," and his yeah. eyes are getting big, and it's like we already see that yeah. guy. Yeah. Why do we need an interpretation of him? Like, I get if you are doing a documentary, if you've done a documentary about an incident that doesn't have like a lot of footage of it that you want to recreate. Like, well, yeah, I get you do a documentary, a... You, you do a documentary about Napoleon, then you want to make a fictional movie of about course. Waterloo. Understandable because we don't have any, unfortunately, documentary footage of Waterloo. <laughs> no, we don't. No. Cameras were not as good Cameras back then. were not as prevalent in 1814. They were made of sticks and yeah, mud. They were. They didn't do a very good job. They only kept things on film for... Their, their resolution was one pixel by one pixel. It was all word of mouth. It was the telephone yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. And guys, that doesn't work when you play it with like eight people. Imagine playing that for like hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah, no. Oh, can you imagine back then? Like, if you want a pornography, you'd have had to get like a painting, and you'd <laughs> have to have that one painting. Can I tell you my favorite thing about pornography? Sure, please do. You know those like shows that were like you know those shows like you know Blue Nui or like After Dark or whatever. Like the like and the, the it would, show like erotic movies. It would be like someone telling a sexy story, and then there would be like a flashback to that story. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is, is when someone would be like, "I've got a real sexy story." So, to like, tell I you. never thought it would ever happen to me. Well, no, it's just when someone. No, that's the thing. It's always about someone else. Mm. He says, "I got a." Re- you want to hear a sexy story? And then it would cut to just two people having sex, and then it would cut back, and that's what I call a sex. So what was he saying <laughs> during all that? And then he penned penetrated her oh in the in the vagina no not quite like a little bit too high but like <laughs> he went in high he came in low and oh, did he just he... worked on this circular motion oh could you see like her breasts well not really because this didn't air late enough but <laughs> like, like what was the story going there was on a lot, lot of silhouettes scene? a lot of silhouettes i remember because I, just... I was watching from next door i saw I saw something like that the other day, and I was like, what is he talking about while this sex scene is happening? Also, that was definitely of a different era, because, I mean, in those days, like, finding pornography, uh, you either had to go to, like, a, an adult store and get it, hmm. or you had to spend hours and hours online waiting for images to load. So you could get away with that sort of thing. Like, it could exist, because there was the, the horny person, whether that was a teenager or an adult, that didn't have access directly to pornography. But of course, nowadays, you have access to pornography 24-7 all the time, whatever you want. So, I'm looking at pornography right now. Yeah, he is. He is, folks. And it's quite uh, disconcerting. But the fact is, you can get it anytime. So you don't need that, like, half step. No. That half step doesn't work. It's like you get the pornography. It's the same reason people don't jerk off to the Sears catalog anymore. Well, number one, the Sears catalog doesn't exist. But even if it did, people wouldn't jerk off to it because they got porn on the internet. And they got it everywhere. Yeah, so going back to... Why do we need the interpretation? Yeah, this is again. This is one of the big examples. One of the most, one of the biggest for me, most recent examples. Mm-hmm. Tiger King. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Like that. Tiger King was such a when it the first the first Tiger King season. I don't mm-hmm. care about the fucking who cares the season two yeah. bullshit. But like when the first season of Tiger King came out, it was funny. Yeah. It was unique. Yes. It was real people. 100%. It didn't feel it, it. It it had a trashy feel, but it, it but the documentary felt well made. Yeah, and like it, it wasn't a reality show. No, and and I thought we got a full kind of scope of what this was, of what this this feud was, of what this life was, and then we had the resolution of Joe going to prison, and it was great. 
cut, print. But now we've got this fictionalized version, which don't get me wrong, Kate McKinnon is in it. And I fucking, as you do, I fucking love Kate McKinnon. So I'll watch anything she's in, but what is the necessity of it? Well, yeah, like that's the also, thing. What's the point? Also, let's let's be real. Kate McKinnon should have played Joe Exotic, not Carol. 100%. 100%. Uh, one thing that was really funny is uh, I saw a recent interview because Nicolas Cage was going to be Joe Exotic at first. <laughs> that would have been great. There was a recent interview, though, where he said, I, I couldn't play uh, Joe Exotic because I, 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 I was going to do it. But then I found out I really had nothing in common with Joe Exotic. So that, that now that Jason, that tells me that Nicolas Cage only plays characters he has something in common with, which scares me to look through his filmography now. Yeah, no, to know that he's uh, that we played that vampire in Vampire's Kiss. He has something in common with that guy. I'm a vampire! Well, I mean, I think he said that um, when, uh, during his sex scene in that movie, he asked one of the uh, uh, crew to uh, dip his toes in yogurt. So make make of that what you will. Hmm. That's an interesting way to get off. Now, maybe he was doing that to make make sure they didn't get off. I don't know. Maybe. I suppose, yeah, he didn't want to come inside the uh, other actress. Well, why specific? Yeah, because, Jason, they were just actually having sex. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's a uh, he, he really liked uh, Don't Look Now, and so he wanted to have actual sex, like in Don't Look Now, as the rumor Doesn't says. Doesn't happen. <laughs> but he's like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll bareback you, but I won't come in you. That's my promise. And so he got the toes and the yogurt, and he was good to go. But yeah, so that that's that's pretty much that's the biggest thing I wanted to talk about. But he, he does it. What? Spoiler alert, he does it. He gets across, he goes back and forth like eight times. The cop by the way, I love that scene of the cop. Oh, the, the cop the, uh the press Yeah, doing like a press junket where yeah. he's like he's like this wire walker, or I should say wire dancer, because he was dancing out there. Like it, this guy was so genuine. He was it was it was clearly balancing his desire to do like a professional police conference with his own amazement at watching this guy do what he was doing. And he's like, you know, we were trying to get him off, but then he would run away from us and his and then, of course, the French guy's like, of course, they were not going out on their wire. That's the greatest thing is that he would get close. <laughs> they would go to grab him, and he would just back up he again. He would just back up. And he would, and he would taunt la- them. <laughs> he laid down on the wire, yeah, Jason. He, he laid down. He stood up. He kind of did. He did. I mean, as much as you can dance. Yeah. Um, he, he got close to them. He got backed away. They eventually threatened to, like, lower a helicopter. And when I heard that, I was like, I think he would die. Yeah, no, that would absolutely kill him. They would knock him off the wire, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Myers and I observed the uh, tightrope dancer because you couldn't call him a walker. Uh, approximately halfway between the two towers, and uh, upon seeing us, he started to smile and laugh. know how to react to a daydreaming wire walker laying down and dialoguing with a seagull so they were really mad. Uh, Philippe a fait des provocations, uh, bien sûr, puisque c'est son travail, hein, c'est son, son caractère en plus. C'est-à-dire qu'il se rapprochait et les gardiens voulaient le saisir ou les policiers, je ne me souviens plus si c'était policier. Et là, à ce moment-là, il faisait demi-tour, donc devenait inaccessible puisque les gardiens n'avaient pas monté sur le câble. When he got to the building, we asked him to get off the high wire, but instead he turned around and ran back out into the middle. Everybody was spellbound in the uh, watching of it. When we observed to the fact that he wasn't about to come in because he seemed to be enjoying it so much, we mentioned the fact to his associate that if he did not come in, we would have a helicopter pluck him up off the wire, at which time his... Uh, 
associate uh, spoke to him in French, uh, being that he's a Frenchman. Philippe! You know? And he said, the police are going to dislodge you and you should stop. And I was, I was, I was madly uh, enraged by that, but also it saved my life. There is somebody out there in a tightrope walk between the two towers of the World Trade Center, right at the tippy top. I personally figured I was watching something that somebody else would never see again in the world. Thought it was once in a lifetime. And also the fucked up thing was he says like his worst injury from this whole thing came when they were like hauling him down the stairs and he like fell down the stairs and almost cracked his head on the stairwell. So he said he almost died just going yeah. down the stairs. Because they were like treating him like he was some sort of fucking like violent criminal. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that one cop, I think that one cop though doing yeah. the press conference, I, I think he would, I, I don't think he would have been one of the ones no. throwing him around. I no, think he, he was, was genuinely, genuinely tickled by this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, all charges were dropped. He became like a big uh, celebrity for a little bit and then just kind of quietly went back. And and like you said, he had to do like the juggling act for the kids to kind of to kind of that was his kind of punishment, I guess. But community then, now, service. But did he ever do anything else like that really captured really. the public's imagination? I mean, he kind of hit the, the, the height. So apparently, to speak, of his profession. Apparently, he did a little bit for the Ringling Brothers Circus. Oh, okay. And he had his only fall oh, of really? his whole career. From 45 feet. Oh, well, that's lucky. <laughs> yeah, he cracked a few ribs, though. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm sure it hurt. And he said, he sa- he when it happened, he said, that was the first time I've ever fallen. And he said, trust me, because if I had fallen before, I would have told you about it. You or would have heard about it. You would have known. He would have known. been fucking dead. But I think he means, like, ever. Like, yeah. I think he means, like, wh- when he started doing the wire walking. Cause I believe that. I it, believe that. O- outside of, like, when he was learning to do it, I believe that he hadn't fallen to that point. But Jason, that's my uh, that's my piece, I guess. Do you have any other big things you want to talk about before we get into bits and bobs? Well, not offhand, but I'm sure they'll come up in bits and bobs. So let's uh, let's sub- sublime into that. All right. Well, we're gonna listen to some ads from Age of Radio. No. Well, we are. Oh, okay. We're not going to, but they're going to. Oh, we get God. to skip the ads. Oh, thank <laughs> God. We we have a premium account, so we can no, no. skip it. Listen, guys, there's some great ads. Listen to them. There, yeah. No, uh, we support all these products and services. There you go. Uh, and we'll be right back. Age de Radio. Ho, ho, ho. Philippity. First we have the bits, and then we have the bobs. Little bits, little bobs. Little bits and bobs and bits and bobs. First we have the bits, and then more bobs. Little bits, little bobs. Bits and bobs and bits and bobs with Jason and sometimes Brandon. Bits and bobs and bobs. Begin. So we got some docudrama shit. That's my first note. Uh, He says his story is a fairy tale, Brendan. He does. He, he all, does. I also like how they place this in time immediately by having uh, the footage of uh, Richard Nixon um, uh, yeah. saying he's not a crook on TV. Now you need to know that your president is not a crook. Also, I'm uh, not a crook. Mandela effect, maybe just for me, but I always thought he had the, his, his, the way he says it was just like, I am not a crook. But it's just like, your president is not a crook. That's how he said you it. You need to know your president is not a crook, and I am not a crook. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like the, I'm just taking the uh, that version from comedians, probably, or like The Simpsons or something. Mm-hmm. Laughing. Uh, no, wait, he was on laughing. Yeah, I, I like I like the conceit that he dreamed of conquering the World Trade Center before it was even built. Whether it's true or not, I don't care. I think that's a great story. That's a great bit. 
Uh, it's great. He also wrote, uh, uh, or he says, uh, "If I die, what a beautiful death!" Because to die on the uh, the the part, you know, the creation of your passion or whatever, whatever he said. And I thought that was so goddamn French of him. You know How what? a beautiful way to die. You know what I loved um, is at the be- near the beginning of the movie, they showed footage of them constructing towers. And at first, I was like, "Oh man, they're showing like." After 9-11 and they're constructing like the uh, the new towers. But then I was like, oh, no, cool. We're seeing like old footage of them putting like the t- the original yeah. Twin Towers And that's kind of neat too, like seeing that like that process because that took a lot of years of them oh, building yeah. those towers. For many, sure. many fucking years. I mean, years. you think about how long, well, you think about how long it took them to build the Freedom Tower. Well, think about, think about too, he saw the plan for the towers when he was a kid, if yeah. he's telling the truth. Like in the 60s or something, yeah. Oh no, because he climbed. Because he was seventeen, he was born in nineteen forty nine, so that would have been nineteen fifty six. So they must have been planning them from that early. If oh he yeah, to be believed, he was only a child, right? So and they started they, them in the late sixties, perhaps, and then they finished them in the early seventies. But when he saw the plan, I mean, close to twenty years later yeah. is when they were born. Uh, when they were born, when they were built, <laughs> yeah, they were born. Um, but it's just so interesting. And, and, and again, he had to have only gone across if he would have waited till they were fully, fully, fully done. He, I don't think he would have been able to do that. Because, no, I think part of it was being able to get up there with less security than there might've been. Well, and, and the fact that the top, top, top was not like completely built. Yeah. There wasn't like, like there fences was, or anything up no. there. There wasn't like, yeah, preventing the people from doing shit. Like I mean, that, that process, that whole heist uh, setup that we talked about. Cause we get, what I love is we get introduced to the characters as like, almost like heist players yeah. right there's like the australian yeah the guy their inside guy they have yeah. an inside guy that works at the, t- yeah. the towers that gets them in um and, and it's just it's so fun how they they show them like you know we had to sneak past the guard and the guard was sleeping yeah they thought yeah. the guard was watching them the whole time like they, they, they had stuck one of the guys stuck his head down through the ceiling and saw the sleeping guard and it's like if that guy had been awake he would have just seen a head come down from the ceiling like. <laughs> would have been and probably would have had a fucking heart attack yeah, yeah and it would have blown their whole operation they, they, they say they waited for like 11 hours but, yeah. but when they got up there it was a good 10 11 hours before they actually started well because they talk across. about how how uh, i guess philip and his cadre in one tower i guess they were in the south tower they were intending to like haul their shit up the stairs but they had a lucky break and they got in the freight elevator and yeah. so they got up a lot of stairs but then they got into this room where the where the where there was a guard and they got under a tarp and they just sat there and waited for this guy to leave and i believe one of them said that was as close as uh, i'd ever gotten to another man because <laughs> we were like crammed together in, under this tarp and they almost lost the wire at one point yes that was crazy where they had dropped it and they needed to haul it back up cuz they had dropped it before they could can you like, imagine like being in one of those windows and just uh, seeing that wire just seeing just a fucking wire come by but the thing was is most of those floors were unfinished so yeah i mean if anybody was up there at night it was a guard right which would have been bad. Which would have been bad. <laughs> um, and, of course, in the other tower, they had a similar thing where they had to hide. Uh, I know Philip talked about one point doing the old like cartoon thing where he was like going around a pillar and kind of avoiding the gaze of a guard by staying on the other side of the pill- pillar. And, and at any point, they could have like gone the wrong way and run into each other. Well, Philip, yeah, Philip even says, like, but, I mean, if he had just decided instead of moving to just turn around, well, that would have been it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one guy that bailed. So there's this one guy, this bald dude. I forget what his name was. Yeah. But he talks about like, he's like, I, I don't want to be here. At the last fi- second. At the last second. And Philip is like, well, then go. And he said, I ran down the stairs and it was the greatest thing that I've ever. But he also was the same guy that was like, look, I smoked pot for 35 years every day. So was I stoned this day? A pretty good chance I was. <laughs> <laughs> and you really uh, related to that. I related guy. to that. Absolutely. 100%. Um Oh, interesting too. This I like this bit. We didn't mention this yet, Brendan. At some point, he had stepped on a nail, mm. and he and he fucked his foot up. 
And so he got in a pair of crutches to deal with it. And he realized the social engineering value of having crutches because people would open the door for him. They wouldn't question him. They would just like do everything they could to help him out. And so he kept using the crutches even when his foot was better because he understood the value of that. And that's what a lot of this movie is, is the social engineering aspect of it in the way that a, a, a hacker or somebody who was trying to accomplish something maybe negative would use the idea of engineering socially. Like I folks, I don't know if you've ever read a book. There's a book by Kevin Mitnick about social engineering. Now, Kevin Mitnick was a hacker who in the nineties became one of the most wanted people in the country. Uh, he's he's from Entourage. Yeah, no, but he, he was actually one of the guys that the movie Hackers was inspired by. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, of course, like like so many hackers, uh, after he got out of prison, he started his own company, a security company, and wrote a book about social engineering. And this is exactly what that is. Getting into places with your crutches because people are trying to help you and they don't question you. And it's genius. And I really, I really thought that was a cool bit. Um, a thing for him to realize as a uh, a con man of sorts that he is. <laughs> I like that at one point he 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 quit the project. He said, "I, I this is impossible." They, yeah. At one point he decided that they weren't going to do it for a long time, and then they they stopped. Yeah, and he said, "You know, we've realized that this is impossible, and I'm not going to do it." It gives an it gives another aspect of humanity to him a little bit in that he wasn't maybe he's not just this crazy person who decided I'm going to do this no matter what, mm-hmm. and that there was a moment where he said, "Oh no, I've exhausted everything. It's not going to happen." Yeah, but yeah. then of course he found a way back to it. But still, I mean, I th- I, I I just got to say, like Jason, I just want to make it known. I think. He's kind of a shitty person in some ways. Mm-hmm. No to question. His friends, the manipulator part, I believe one hundred percent. I don't think he's like the worst, but I think there's a certain. I do, I think he's a flawed individual. Well, I, I, I absolutely. And when that uh, when his girlfriend talks about like ex, like supporting him and how exhausting it was to support this guy, but she did it anyways, and you know she kept him going and, and helped propel him to do this, and then of course he totally just bails on her at the end. Well, that's the thing. I do. He does make a great diorama, though. He does make a very good diorama. That was very cool. I laughed so hard. My wife was watching it with me at this point. We laughed so hard at the bit where he's like, I got so frustrated that I took my clothes off. But then he explains, I took my clothes off so that I could walk around and see it because they had fired the, um, the bow. They'd used a bow and arrow to get the initial guideline over with the fishing wire, and they couldn't find it. First off, I'm amazed that that bow was able to get that far. Like you would think they would need like a big like compression. What would bow they have done? Yeah, that would have well, been it. They've done. That would have been the end. I mean, today you could easily, well, easily, but you could hook up a uh, fishing line to a drone or something and fly it over. Yeah. But then they had to use something like a bow and arrow. Jason, you could do this walk easily. Oh yeah, I could easily do this walk. Don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, they. But so he fires the bow and arrow over, and he takes his clothes off so that he can walk around in hopes that he will feel the 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 late the lee line on his skin and he eventually does he does find it and it's in a specific spot where they grab it and it was just lucky it was balancing i think on the edge of the oh, building like precariously, precariously there were so many moments it, you know what's crazy if he was a superstitious person mm. there would have been so many moments telling him don't fucking do this yeah, yeah there's so many things it's like oh you shouldn't do like this. that moment the moment where the cable almost like they almost can't get the cable up it takes mm-hmm. them like hours to get the cable up because this fucking it's a fucking it's a, it's heavy a metal cable. cable it's very heavy and yeah. every time they pull it they're getting maybe like a centimeter yeah they're getting a few yeah not much and this at is all. a huge cable at one point philip de, de says when he steps in the line that death is very close so then again another french thing i liked uh i i really enjoyed the moment 
of the especially of the one guy and then his girlfriend recalling the moment of seeing him walk out on the wire and they both in the documentary i think have emotional reactions to it like like buddy breaks down yeah that's just remembering earlier like of that moment the memory still like the the sense memory still affects them and and her talking about being on the ground and looking up and being like look there's a wire walker (laughs) oh and the moment jason there's a moment in the documentary too where they talk about they saw something floating in the air and it's just like a it's just like a, a shirt yeah but they thought they were yeah they in were, that moment they were like holy shit he he's died dead. he did he fell he did like can you imagine just that 30 seconds of like sheer panic yes uh my last thing i have written down here is that it's funny that when he talks about uh leaving like the new york courthouse he describes it as the palais de justice which i think is funny yeah it's just like oh that's that, that's cute that's a very uh uh large very overwrought description of the new york justice new york courtroom so Right, he but, had to uh, give it a French name. Yes, the Palais yeah. du Justice. Yep. And that's your last bit. That's bu- pretty much bu- all I got. I mean, the guy, he did it. He fucking did it. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, I want to talk about a little bit uh, about this movie getting made. If you must. Uh, wow. The <laughs> film's producer, Simon Chin, first encountered uh, Philippe in 2005. Uh, he tried to get uh, Philippe's book adapted. His book is called his book was called "To Reach the Clouds," um, and Petit agreed to do the to do the documentary. Only agreed that he would let him make the documentary only if he was allowed to be an active collaborator. So again, there's some there's some control thing here that he's he's definitely same uh, time though as a, as a filmmaker, the idea of having somebody like the principal subject in this documentary involved is probably pretty appealing. I mean, not just involved though. I mean, he's a producer yes. too. That's the thing. Like, I I think he's helping to shape this movie. I, exactly, shape the narrative a little bit. I think if you're if you're, I think the most bold thing would just be, you know what? Do your research. I'll be involved and do what you got to do. Yeah. Tell tell the story what you think the story is. Absolutely. Um, James Marsh, the director, said he was drawn to the story because it immediately struck him as a, a heist movie, like we said. Absolutely. Um. As Jean Francois said, it w- it may have been illegal, but it wasn't wicked or mean. No. Um, Marsh also said that as a New Yorker, uh, which is interesting that he's a New Yorker making this movie, he saw the movie as a gift to the city since the 9-11 attacks. He said he hopes to hear people say that they will now always think of Petit and his performance when recalling the World Trade Center. Um, and then, of course, he said that uh, Petit's act was incredibly beautiful and it would be unfair and wrong to infect the story with any mention, discussion, or imagery of the towers being destroyed. Somehow, I think that both of those events might stick in a viewer's head from this movie. But not because of the movie, I no. don't think. Like, no, I think, but it's, I like, think... It's, like, it's nice to remember that nice thing that happened, but ultimately, it's very hard to get uh, something out of your head that you saw happen live on TV. Oh, sure. Like I don't think that's ever going to go away, but I do think that it's nice that they don't bother talking about it. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, it is not necessary to the discussion of this story, nor is it relevant, and it would just be a bummer, and we'd have to bring in Rachel Dratch as Debbie Downer to uh, be like... And then 9-11 happened. I mean, I would love that if that was the end of the walk. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, 100%. (laughs) Um, Jason, this movie goes to the Oscars. Oh, does it? It wins Best Documentary. Best Documentary Feature. What else was up that year? I don't know. You don't know? I didn't look it up. What a waste of space you are. At the BAFTAs, it's uh, nominated for one award and wins another. It is nominated for Outstanding Debut by a British writer, director, or producer for producer Simon Chin. Okay. But that is one that year 
by Steve McQueen, the director of Hunger, which is a movie we will eventually talk about. Okay, okay. Um, it does win Outstanding British Film. Th- like the top prize. Outstanding British Film. Well, then I guess I understand why it's on this list. Has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. A rare thing. Rare thing. And 158 reviews. Wow. Not a single one of the negatives. So so there's no Armand White uh, review of this movie. Because that, that would obviously <laughs> Unless he a, liked it. Um, but the Rotten Tomatoes basically, the consensus basically says, James Marsh's doc about artist Philippe Petit's artful caper brings you every ounce of suspense that can be wrung from a man on a wire. Uh, in Metacritic, 89 out of 100. Based on 31 critics. That's pretty good. And Jason, I'm just going to let you look at this because uh-huh. this is how many critics had this on their top 10 lists of the year. Look at that. It's a lot of people, Brendan. It's a lot of people. I see a Michael Phillips, Chicago Tribune. Mike, you like this movie. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> amazing insight, as always, always. you can expect from this podcast. That's what podcast. I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, that's and then the budget. This I mean, it's a documentary, but there's still you still got to pay for shit. Six hundred um, million dollars, Brendan. N- close, uh, one point nine million. Oh, nice. And it made about five point three. I mean, that's pretty good for a documentary. Yeah. I mean, it's no Michael Moore documentary, but as far as most documentaries go, I'm sure five million is a solid uh, I mean, haul. I mean, documentaries making bowling for Columbine money is not. Uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, not the it's real. Not the norm. That's not the norm at all. <laughs> no. So, Jason. Ah, yes. So it's our first documentary that yeah. will potentially be on a British list. I got to ask you, um, I mean, I think you liked it. What'd you think? Yeah, I really like this movie. It's a really good documentary. I can't argue with Rotten Tomatoes. This is a fantastic documentary. It's really interesting. It's maybe more cinematic than your average documentary. It kind of does a nonlinear thing, and it bounces around, and it's got great footage, and it's got great docu- uh, docudrama footage as well to fill in the gaps. Like... This is a fantastic documentary. There's no question. I can't argue with that. But were you, what, if you were going to ask me if this was going to be on the list, I would say no. Because I don't, I don't think documentaries should be on this list. We're talking about British films. And then this also has the issue that last week's uh, uh, British film had, where, yes, these are British films in the sense that they are made by British producers and directors and talent, but they are not about British culture or British people. And for me... In my mind, I want British movies to focus on British culture and British people. Okay. Now, if that makes me an ethnicist or racist, then so be it. Now, the second point aside, <laughs> you don't think a documentary has the right to be on a top 100 best films list? I, I don't know that I would argue as whether it has the right to be, but from my personal perspective, I would kind of keep nonfiction and fiction separated. I oh I'm I agree to disagree on that's this fine, one. That's fine. That's fine. I this we need this tension, Brendan. I think I think a documentary has just as much right to be on there as any other movie. Does. And I think that's a perfectly valid argument. I don't agree with it, but I think it's a perfectly valid argument. No question. I think it's just another style of filmmaking. And I I but I I in my mind I like the idea of like a fictional and a non-fictional list. I like the idea of like allowing non-fiction movies to kind of exist in their own existence and kind of if we want to make a list of best British documentaries, I'm down for that. But I don't know that it should be on this list. And as good as it is, and and don't get me wrong, folks, this movie is fantastic, and I recommend it to each and every one of you because it is really well made. Let me let me ask you a question. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Ask me. Okay. BFI Top 100. Yeah. Right? Let's just pretend this movie is... Let's forget the second point. Let's just say this <laughs> is a British guy. Okay. Okay? It's more centered on British... People. Sure, this is about a British guy that did this. Let's just say it is. Yeah. Okay? Just for argument's sake. Yeah. 
Now, the BFI Top 100 is what? The British Film Institute Top, top 100, 100 list films. of the uh, of the top 100 British films of all time, right? Yes. Now, would you say that a documentary is not a film? Uh, no, no. I would say under their criteria, it absolutely counts as a film. And if they wanted to put it on there, that would be absolutely their right based on their criteria. It's but, a British film. I'm just saying from my personal perspective. So you would take out an entire genre? I would, I would, I would separate in my mind. It was not that so much that I would take out an entire genre. It's that I would separate fiction from nonfiction because every movie on the British film Institute list is a fictional movie. Even fires were started though. Very rooted in reality is a docudrama. It's not based on individual firefighters. It's like, it's kind of a composite. Um, but yeah, I think just, just for, like I say, from my perspective, I, cause in the same way that kind of fiction and nonfiction books are separated, I would separate fiction and nonfiction films. Jason, I had no idea you were a segregationist. I am a segregationist when it comes to fiction and nonfiction. I think this is the biggest disagreement we're going to have on, on yeah, this whole no, podcast. Yeah, no, and it's okay. It's okay. I, I, I can't. I mean, okay. okay. Also, great movie. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Okay. That, that's how far I'm going with I understand this. why you would. I, I'm going to say yes. And I thought about the, the whole British aspect, too, um, before, before kind of going into this. But then I thought about Day of the Jackal, and that was a very French movie, too, I thought. Yes, but we had Edward Fox, who was an extremely British person. In the I mean, we, we had British people in this movie, I think, in this Did documentary. We? Who? We had a few. Who? I think I'm going to say yes. I know we have another documentary coming up. I know a much more British documentary. Ooh. Uh, Senna. Yes, that is a... Well, but that's also about a Brazilian guy. I can't wait to watch that, though, because that is a great movie. That I don't know I a lot before. about it, but I know there's another documentary <laughs> coming up. Um, but I, I don't know, man. Like, I would say, and again... I don't think you can leave it off as an entire thing. I I, I get what you're saying, but mm -hmm. and I get what you're saying. <laughs> I just I I think I think it's I almost think it's a mistake that the original BFI Top 100 didn't have a, a legitimate documentary or at least a couple on there. Like I th I think there's I think there's just as much merit, if not more, sometimes um, in a great documentary as opposed to you know a great movie. Do you now? Here's my question: a great film, a great fiction film. I should say. Do you say. think on this list it would be appropriate to include what might be the greatest British documentary of all time, Tiger King? No, I want to include the the spinoff with Kate McKinnon. Oh, okay, sweet, sweet. sweet. So in, in your argument, <laughs> you would rather put that one on a list. Than the Tiger King documentary. I mean, by my criteria, yes. If, if that was directed by a British person and financed by British financiers, then yes. That's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, Jason. Big, 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 same, similar uh, uh, likes. Yeah, no, but, again, uh, watch this movie, folks. I'm not going to tell you not to watch this movie. It is fantastic. But, and I would definitely have it high on my list of British documentaries. But I guess it's not as good as Pootie Tang. That's not a documentary. No, is it? but I mean exactly. So I mean, Pootie Tang has to would if there was a list of the 100 greatest movies, Pootie Tang would go on there before uh, Man on Wire, right? I mean, by your criteria, technically, yes. You're an insane person. <laughs> well, there you go, Jason. Get ready because we're gonna spin that fucking wheel. Spin that wheel. I'm gonna make you feel, oh DJ. Why don't you tell people what I'm talking about? What we are going to do, folks, is that because we have 30-some-odd movies and we don't feel like rolling dice or drawing, what we are going to do is we have the big wheel. Uh, it is a virtual wheel. It is online because Brendan and I are far too lazy to build our own wheel. So what we are going to do is we're going to spin this virtual wheel and we are going to tell you, the listener, what our next movie is. And so far that has given us uh, this movie and Monsters. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, that was my choice. Are you ready, Jason? 
I am ready. Shout out to Home Depot, who is sponsoring the page that we are looking at right now. Home no. Depot, that's where you can get a fridge for $48.95. Okay. Well, at least just don't say that the name Wait, brand. Wait, why is that air conditioner $33,000? That doesn't make any sense. Well, let's go back and take a look at it. Yeah, I'll go back to that. That can't be right. An air con- it, It's a window air conditioner. It can't be $33,000. Oh, no, no, you're, but you're saving $5,000. I mean, you are. I mean, it, it's a good deal. Uh, but uh, all right, let's can't. just spin the goddamn right, wheel. Spin the goddamn wheel. Where where's it gonna land? Where's it gonna land? Spin that wheel. Round and round and round she goes. Oh, she, Jason, it almost landed. It almost landed on the documentary. It almost landed mentioned. on Senna, folks. But instead, this week we are gonna do one of the great British films of all modern time. Uh, never know, we might hate it. We might hate it, uh, even though we've both seen it before. Ladies and gentlemen, next week is 2004's Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Starring Edgar Wright. Not starring Edgar Wright. No, he's not in it? (laughs) I mean, maybe, but he's not starring in it. He might be in it somewhere, and maybe he could give himself top (sighs) bill. Starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Nick Frost. It's the- uh, Dylan Moran. Infamous uh, Dawn of the Dead uh, homage, parody, whatever you want to call it. I've seen this movie a couple times. I'm excited to watch it again, because I've always liked it. It's part of Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. Yes, it is. One of two that'll be on on this this list. list. Yes, no, no, uh, uh, we don't have the the end of the world or whatever it's called. The world's end? World's end, yeah, at world's end. We do have Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and we're going to watch Shaun of the Dead. We are going to talk about Shaun of the Dead next week. This will be a fun one to rewatch because I remember like most of it. <laughs> this is a movie I saw in the theater. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so did I. Yeah. So and this is a rarity compared in, to movies we watched before. Went in expecting nothing. Yeah. So there you go. But that was great because we were not aware of those people at this time. Like I had not watched Space to that point. Had you? No. No. So we I still haven't watched it. No, and it's good. From what little I've seen of it, I've watched it all, but it's good. Um, yeah. So this is gonna be fun. I'm excited. All right, well, there you go. We're going to talk about Shaun of the Dead next week. But, Jason, until then, uh, you can find us all over the place. We're on everywhere. All the podcast apps. Where can they uh, find us on Twitter? I'll tell you where they can find us on Twitter. At FSACpod. I knew that. If you want to find us on Facebook, just search for For Screen. And Kuntra. And, Jason. Where can they find you on the Twitter? They can find me at Jason D. McLeod. That is M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Stop on by and tell me your politics and I'll tell you why you're wrong. No matter what you say. No matter what you say, you're wrong. Jason will just be a contrarian. I will be a great contrarian. I want to follow in the footsteps of other great contrarians like Ben Shapiro and uh, oh heaven, uh, uh, Larry Elder and oh. uh, Michael Savage. Oh. And I just want to be a conservative radio talk show host making millions of dollars a year, folks. So if you can make that happen, I'm down. Let's put a rush on that. That's right. That's right. I'm willing to completely sell out all my morals and beliefs for a paycheck. <sighs> On that note, um, by uh, on that note, Brendan and I are both willing to sell our morals for a paycheck. So, yes. if you want to pay us, Sharon, Sharon, well, well, Sharon owes us one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Let's She's, not be clear. Now, now, let's be clear though. Let's be clear. There's been interest on it so far. So, what is it up to now? Uh, I'd be one hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars and seventy-five cents. Sharon, Sharon. Sharon. But you know what, Sharon? I'm going to tell you right now. If you wanted to send us $150,000 today, I promise you, you will not get any interest. But that offer is only valid for the day of this podcast and the day after that it drops. 
So, no, just the day of this recording. Oh, just the day so of this recording. Well, she doesn't even know. That's right. Wow. So you're listening to this weeks later. Yeah. So now it's up to who? Oh, you can't even imagine what it's up to, Sharon. But you better get that money in quick because we want it. We want to be able to do this. Exactly. And also, that goes out to the rest of you out there. While while we are certainly going to get Sharon's hundred and fifty thousand dollars, don't get me wrong, one way or another, we would love extra money so that we could continue to do this podcast for you. We will do, folks. If you want to invest in this podcast, we will do more podcasts. We will do them every day. I work at a uh, convenience store, and I'm going to continue to work at a convenience store. And if you could give me like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on top of the hundred fifty thousand dollars that Sharon is going to give us, we could do this podcast for years. Daily podcast. Daily podcast. Can you imagine a daily podcast where we watch a movie every day, five days a week? We got to have weekends and we will tell you about it. I'm in. I mean, I'm in too, but somebody has to invest first. Yeah. I mean, and I think 400000 is a good minimum to start at. Steven Spielberg, I know you're listening. Help all us with- out. You got lots of money. Dude. He DMs me all the time. He does. He does. Oh, I would love to think that there's somebody super famous and rich listening, and they're just like, ha ha, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Julie Christie's publicist has shown to this podcast. Oh, yet. she should, because we love, Julie Christie, we love you, and we would love you to come on our podcast and talk about uh, Darling. Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up. You're going to die soon, so please get on this podcast quick. Oh, no. Cut that. <laughs> no, no, no. You leave that in. It's a fact. I mean, Julie Christie's not a crazy person. She understands she's very old. Okay, Jason, we need to wrap this thing up. All right. Well, then we're only at an hour 18 so far. Yeah. but and you're probably going to cut some of that. <laughs> so just to wrap things up, um, guys, nothing's going to change for you. Jason's no. moving, but uh, it's not going to change. We're going to be here every week. Um but it's going to be, uh, you, my voice is just going to be a little sadder. Yeah. Um, He's but a sad man. Until then, I've just got to say to you, Jason. To me? Brandon? God, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Friends forever, Brendan. Mon ami. Mon ami. Well, my friends are gone and my hair is gray. I ache in the places where I used to play. And I'm crazy for love, but I'm not coming on. I'm just paying my rent every day in the Tower of Song. said to Hank Williams, how lonely does it get? Hank Williams hasn't answered yet, but I hear him coughing all that long. Oh, a hundred floors above me in the Tower of Song.